Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Welcome to Faculty Feed, everyone. Boy, do we have a treat for you today. We have Dr. Tao Lee. And if you don't know Dr. Tao Lee, you will by the end of this half hour because this is a, this is a podcast you will not want to miss. Tao is CEO of ScholarRx, an associate clinical professor at U of L, but you probably know him for his other world. Author, first aid for the boards. Have any of you not heard of first aid for the boards? <laughs> well, I steps would one, s- two, and three. Oh, what? I'm sorry, to You interrupted my intro. I did interrupt your intro. I was going to say maybe some of our nursing and dentistry faculty may not have heard of first aid for the boards. Well, go ahead and tell them. So first aid for the boards, I'm not a physician, but I hear you guys have some big tests that you have to take. And so first aid for the boards is a study prep for step one, step two, all those exams that the medical students have to take in order to get to residency. That's and correct. you've done this for a long time, right, Tom? 30 plus years. 30 plus years. And he's well, only 43. He started really <laughs> young, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, Jerry. So just, Tal, just keep going backwards. I'm, I, I like this Benjamin Button effect here. I know. Tal, know. welcome to Faculty Feed. It's, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Jerry, Stacey Laura, thank you. Really appreciate it and uh, really excited. Love your podcast. We're listening to a couple episodes. Glad to be here and glad to share the mics with you. There are so many things we could potentially talk with you about, but we want to focus on really one area that you have great expertise in, and it has to do with a shared global curriculum. Can you talk about how that started and what that looks like? I'll start with a premise. I know you have lots of connections with the business community and you're working with the business school and so forth. One of the big economic concepts that have emerged recently is called the sharing economy. We are all involved in the sharing economy. Every time you take Uber, you are taking a shared ride. Every time you get a vacation and you're renting a place through Airbnb or Verbo, right, or VRBO. That's shared housing, right? 2022, we're sharing our cars, we're sharing our homes, but we haven't quite figured out how to share a curriculum. You know, obviously I can send you a PowerPoint or you can send me a PDF or whatever, but I mean, entire curricula and, and be able to scale it across institutions, states, countries across the world, to LMICs, low middle income countries, where they have much greater needs, it's very difficult. That was something that we've been tackling or or really thinking about for the last four or five years. We like to call it shared curriculum or shared curricular ecosystems that can disseminate and so forth. Other folks have talked about it as universal curriculum. It's a bit fraught with controversy because what does that actually mean? Maybe more scary, yeah, right? Is there any such thing as a universal curriculum? But shared curriculum is what we've gone into. And it's also related to something that's also emerging and evolving quite rapidly, which is OER, Open Education Resources in Medical Education. The popular term is also FOAM, Free Open Access Medical Education, uh, which started mostly in the emergency medicine space you know, over the last decade. I think there's a convergence of these type of open movements, open science and open data and open access journals and 
education information should be freely accessible. You know, Chad, yeah. that kind of reminds me of like the Wikipedia effect, mm. right? Yep. 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 Is that kind of where we're going or? So Wikipedia is an OER. It uses an open license. The most common framework for open license is Creative Commons. Mm -hmm. So Creative Commons is an open license where you can use it freely, but you have to attribute, so mostly, so BY and then SA, share alike. So that's how Wikipedia defines it. Now, there are other versions where you don't have to attribute it and you don't have to share it, but that's one of the more common open shared license. So yes, Wikipedia is an example of an OER. In higher education, OpenStax at Rice University, where they have free open access textbooks, is another example. There are principles uh, or commonly accepted principles for OER, and they were popularized by a fellow by the name of David Wiley. He's currently the founder and CTO, or maybe the CEO, but at least he's the CTO of Lumen Learning, and they provide packaged OER curriculum in, in the higher ed space. Uh, and he talks about the freedoms of OER. Uh, so the FARs, they include the ability to reuse, revising it, so you can change anything you want, redistribute so you can send it out through different ways different channels uh, it, it doesn't have to stay on the original platform that it came to you on uh, and then retain so you can retain your own copy outside of the platform which you access those are some general principles for oer when you talk about a, a shared global curricular ecosystem around medical education mm -hmm. the sharing economy that we've already entered mm -hmm. some years ago you're creating an Uber and an Airbnb-like function yeah. for medical education then. It shouldn't be as scary. It's not like it just dropped out of the yeah. sky right. and somebody said, let's have a shared curriculum across all medical education you know, units. Right. And so this is something we could expect as a natural sort of extension of the kind of things we're used to using all the time now. People have figured out how to kind of disconnect ownership with utilization and they're using a commercial models and while i did talk about oer and being free and open access it could be used for copyrighted content as well too you know okay. and this could be something that publishers could do we've been fascinated with the idea of creating modular curriculum for many years we started that work back in 2016 2015 and we designed a curricular system based on the idea of quote unquote bricks and its direct inspiration comes from Lego bricks, the plastic, the blocky plastic toys that we all grew up with. We have children yep. and they torture us by leaving them all on the floor. <laughs> and yeah. the whole car there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The interesting thing about Lego bricks is that kids take these unassuming blocky plastic things and then they click it together and then they can create anything they want. You can create a house, you can create a dog, you can create a tree. So we were like saying, well, what if we could create curricular bricks and then educators can create whatever curricular experience they want based off of these bricks. So that was the initial idea. We published a commentary several years ago uh, titled, A Proposal for a Shared Medical School Curricular Ecosystem. It lay out the framework for what a shared curricular ecosystem could be. So the piece that you published a few years ago, 2018, and things change rapidly around here. So update us, where, where are we at now as far as having this access free education 
for medical students. So we published the paper in 2018, as you said, and then in 2019, we started doing symposias. And as you can imagine, yes. you got the, you got the, um, early the, adopters, the, 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 the innovators, the early adopters, the early majority, and then yeah. the late and majority, the guys get late really, majorities really late. And, and, and the laggards, right? So yeah, so we, 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 we got all that, right? Yeah. And so there were a couple of people in the room that, yeah, 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 this yep. totally works. And yeah. we've seen this in open source software. We've seen yeah. this in uh, some OER uh, type stuff that's happening in higher ed should have been here yesterday like, sure. yeah. it should have been here yesterday why is med ed so but slow? you might have run into some resistance right we absolutely <laughs> ran into resistance <laughs> of course this is academia <laughs> you know, right you know which is i mean which you know you know i think we could have a completely different podcast one day about the paradoxes of academia we're supposed to be open open thinking you know hypothesis driven but then at the same time we can be tied into locked into our own ways of thinking but we might even debate whether today's friday in academia yeah (laughs) some would disagree right right exactly exactly (laughs) so in any case we we started ran into resistance we we obviously have started running into some resistance i think the first thing was what is this why why do we need to why do you need to share i mean we are a medical school we have hundreds of faculty and they can create you know, almost anything. So that was some of the initial resistance. The other thing was the fear that your teaching could be replaced by somebody else's teaching. We as educators have a lot of, you know, we, we have a lot of our own self-identity. You know, we teach, therefore we are, right? You know, it, it, it's who, it's, you know, it becomes an existential sure. question. If we are no longer creating education uh, or education experiences for our learners, but we are just curating, you know, at the point, does that, does that diminish who we are as educators? I've heard you say, be an architect, not a brick maker. That's correct. Can you explain what that means to the audience? The idea is that instead of just, again, creating, you know, uh, reinventing the wheel or reinventing the brick in this, uh, in, this, in this sense, you can start off with bricks or, or, or content objects that other people have built and you are assembling, so you're curating, but then you're, but then you're also adjusting, you know, and, uh, you know, so you, you change things around or, and whatnot, so revise, remix, whatever. And then if there are gaps, like, like say it's something novel, like uh, we're talking about Omicron BA5 in Louisville, you know, obviously there's not a textbook that will, or, or even a review paper, a peer, a peer review paper that's going to even talk about that. You can then create your own content and just put it all in the mix. That's more of an architect, right? You're orchestrating, you're pulling things together, you're assembling and so forth, but you still have a creator, you know, hat you know, you can still create, you know, some content if you have to, but really you're creating de novo, uh, you know, learning experiences, right? So that's what an architect does, but they, you know, they can create, but they never even have to t- touch the brick foundry if they don't want to. And that's the unique role of the faculty member, yes. as opposed it's to making PowerPoint slides. Exactly. And it's just a, a, a more refined, richer way to right. use the faculty expertise, but it presupposes that they know what to do with those data and they know how to engage a classroom in active learning sessions in real time. I mean, this sounds wonderful. Who are the people that are like, no, this is not the way forward? Or like, what are the concerns that people had that would prevent us moving forward in this way? The original resistance is that, well, that's not me. I, you know, I, I've got my, you know, PowerPoint decks that I've used for the last 25 years. I want to just use it again. That should be the reason right there. Yes, <laughs> right? Where he's, right? Where he's disqualified. <laughs> exactly. Power, you know, lecturing is state of the art. Teaching, uh, you know, and no, just, I tell them what they need to know. Okay, exactly. <laughs> I tell them. Let's just be the sage of the stage here, right? 
I mean, other things that I think people are, are trying to figure out a little bit, but it, it, these are problems that get solved before, but, it, it, but the problem seems novel again, you know, because it's in a new platform is, oh, wait a minute, what about, you know, copyright, about third party, what about who reviews all this and so forth? Well, I mean, you got a curriculum committee, you have a library that enforces fair use, you know, principles. I mean, whether you're using Articulate Rise or uh, PowerPoint or Google Docs, we, those are all authoring tools, you know, and so Bricks is no different than any, any of those uh, resources. I think people are still learning about, well, how do you get credit for this? And, and oh, yeah. does my stuff just go out into the wild if I put it out there and take advantage of my stuff without me? And what we figured out, and, and I think, again, this is, again, really a mindset thing. Educators don't actually want to, quote, unquote, own the education in the sense that I want to put it in a little box under my, my, my bed and it's just, <laughs> right, my just precious, my, yeah. my precious, you know. But, but what they want is they want credit. They want yeah, attribution. Yeah. And so what we solved was how do you attribute at scale? We developed a way that you layer on the attribution, basically like blockchain, right? Oh, okay. You think about it, blockchain attribution. Blockchain is like, again, a ledger, right? And then, and then if you're moving this Bitcoin from me to you or whatever, it's a new role in the ledger and it's immutable and it's open and everybody can see that you know X, X person gave a Bitcoin to Y. We can do the same thing. If Laura clones a brick, you know, she says, well, it came that the brick came from X, Y, Z. And then when Laura uh, clones it and, and change, makes the change, then we add Laura to the, the, the blockchain of attribution. It could branch out because, you, again, if you have multiple version, it kind of becomes a little bit like a family tree, you know, that type of stuff. So that was one of the other, you know, issues, you know, which is, you know, how do I get credit? And then it gets to the next issue, which is now getting the data so you can export it uh, in a way that's usable for your, your CV, especially when you are coming up for promotion and tenure. If I could pivot just for a bit yeah. to, to your 30-year history with First Aid for the mm -hmm. Boards. And this whole initiative, in terms of how it relates to step one, which has become the dominant thing preclinical medical students are focused on, yeah. as that has become a pass-fail exam, help us think through the issues around that exam and this type of curricular approach and the medical student of 2020 to 22 who's come through this pandemic virtual world focused on getting that right score. Help us think through those issues and how the global ecosystem curriculum helps or hurts with that. So th there's a couple of interesting lessons or correlations with first aid and particularly first aid for the us only step one which is our flagship book jerry you're obviously correct us only step one is is that big scary test it's a little less scary now that's gone past fail and first aid obviously was designed to help with that but what happened was it became shorthand for a basic science curriculum so wherever wherever you go in the world, they're like, oh yeah, we use first page kind of kind of like to help design our our curriculum. I'm like, I'm like, no, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. It, it was it's for a very specific yeah. exam, which can test certain concepts well and others not well. So obviously the ones that aren't tested well don't show up in the exam, but they're still important for the development of a good, well-rounded, compassionate physician. The other big you know aha takeaway from from first aid is that it's crowdsourced. 
uh, people may not be aware that it's not just the names of the authors and my my name on the front of the book. It's like we get tens of thousands of submissions, you know, through a back-end platform that we kind of jury rig together that allows anybody to say, yeah, no, you know, you, you need to add more on leprosy or you need to add more on T-cell maturation or, or whatnot. We think this is super, quote-unquote, high yield for, for the boards. We actually don't, quote-unquote, need to author. We just run through all all the submissions and then we use that to guide the development of subsequent editions take that to the idea of a shared curricular ecosystem which is that everybody can kind of do their piece you know laura laura can just focus on biostats bricks you can focus on id and it all kind of comes together kind of like a kind of like a um, a potluck dinner students probably create more education content than anybody else in a school Right. If you think about it, right, you know, think about all the flashcards they make. Think about all the notes they take. Think about all the PowerPoints that they create for each other. When uh, Dr. Rowley says, well, why don't you put together a little talk for us? You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting question there, Johnny. Why didn't you create a PowerPoint? So, you know, so the students create a lot of education, but, you know, it often gets lost. And yeah. is there a way for us to capture that, you know, as a scholarly artifact? And so that those were some of the design decisions that allowed us to create, you know, RX bricks and not only be inclusive to allow all all walks of educate professional educators to get involved to create bricks and share with each other, but now students are also starting to get involved in developing bricks in our system to share with each other. We had a note in in our outline for this episode where for the Medical Student Alliance for Global Education. Yeah. And I was looking at those topics seemed to be like a lot of social justice, DEI yeah. topics. So I'm wondering in general, the content that you see students making, is it broad or is it more social focused? I think we're just at the very, very early stages. What we're seeing now is you know, students teaching in areas where they feel passionate about, like social justice. Uh, you mentioned the Medical Student Alliance for Global Education. So, so what is that? It is a collaboration of involving about uh, 11, 12 uh, international medical student organizations. They represent over half of all medical students in the world. We got these organizations together, these student organizations, and we asked them to do their own needs assessment. Uh, and they they surfaced that there were these areas, you know, like social justice, diversity, equity, inclusion, climate change, accountable, uh, I'm sorry, social accountability, uh, sexual and reproductive health rights uh, that they felt were being undertaught globally, not just in one area, like say the US or Europe, but just globally. So we opened up our tool sets to them and we taught them to design and develop bricks on our platform. And so they, to date, have already created 40, you know, high quality uh, bricks, open access, free to use by anybody, because these topics tend to evolve very rapidly. You know, there's, there's a social currency that's tied to them. And a lot of schools just don't have a full-time DEI expert or a accountability expert or, or a digital informatics expert, you know, and so... This helps fill some of those rapidly evolving gaps in the curriculum. So now that's so so that's kind of on the super organized side. On the more um, on the more grassroots side, we uh, offered what's called brick builder grants in the spring, which allows students to apply for grants as long as they bring in a faculty advisor mentor to work alongside with them. Wow, that's great, Tal. As you know, podcasts are. Just, well, passive, passive listening. But we really like to turn faculty feed into something active. So we always ask our guests, what would be a challenge that you would put out to the folks that listen to faculty feed? What would you say? The operating challenge that I have for any interested educator is that you can today create your own bricks. 
If you just go to our site, scholarrx.com, so scholar, so in those two R's, you know, and uh, if you go there, you can uh, create your own free educator account. And in an educator account, you can modify and clone bricks. There are 200 open access bricks already in the system. Uh, you don't have to pay a cent for to use any of that. And you can also create your own bricks. So I would I would challenge you to create a brick in something that you're passionate about, that you teach about, that you feel like you have some level of expertise about, and, and put it out there. Once you create a brick, it, it generates a, a hyperlink. And then you can use it in your school's learning management system. So you can use it on RedMed, or you can tweet it out for all I care. Uh, you know, it's open access. Tweet <laughs> right. it, put it on your blog, whatever. Share something you're passionate about. Teach some, teach something to somebody else. And then I'm hoping that you can convince your colleagues to try to try it out. And then that's where the grassroots, you know, opportunities right. where you know curriculum committees can sit down and say, Hey, look, if you do this and you do that then we can all create something greater together. And that's the community of practice. And that's the whole potluck effect, right? The whole potluck dinner effect. Yeah. So we'll be sure to put that uh, URL on our show notes. So anybody who would like to uh, take on this challenge, and I hope you will, uh, you'll be able to uh, get a hold of that pretty quickly. Well, what a treat, huh? Yes. Tal, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's incredible in a matter of just a few short years uh, since 2016, uh, with the initiation of this whole notion of building bricks, it sounds like you have a growing worldwide, not only interest, but active movement toward this global curricular ecosystem. So congratulations on getting that started. We look forward to hearing updates as, as that uh, moves along. And thank you again for taking time to come with us here on Faculty Feed. It's a pleasure. Thank you. On Faculty Feed next Friday, Carrie Bonert is back with us to talk about how patient simulation is being used to help medical students better understand how to engage with patients who have a different gender identity than what was assigned at birth. Her passion for simulation and simulated patient programs comes through in a powerful way. You won't want to miss this episode of Faculty Feed. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be, as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu that's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.